0: Do your goddamn Wait, job. No,
1: I didn't just play, play the okay. Jesus. Jesus. What's going on? Where's he going?
0: I don't know. It's his own goddamn show. He just leaves whenever the fuck he wants. You're gonna record
1: without me? Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Literally Literary. With us as always is Mr. Sean Papernitz. I'm Joey Bonnier. And over there, coming back to the table, is Mr. Sean O'Brien.
2: I can't find it.
1: Why did you look at me like that when I said literally literally? I did, I'm sorry. I, I thought you were giving me a look like I did something wrong.
2: No, you were fine. You shamed me. How you guys doing? Um Am I to understand that you guys recorded without me? That's that's understandable. What the fuck? We're sorry
1: about that, but you know you recorded without me. We did, we did.
2: You did. I apologized about that, though.
1: You did. So say you're sorry. <laughs> <laughs> do you really think what demanding apology is is useful? Sean can't find it either,
2: apparently. Oh well. Anyway, I can't. <laughs> it's gonna be. Um. Do I think demanding an apology is useful?
1: No. I mean, demanding, the apology is not going to be
2: good. You know what, though. But then again, like at the very least, it can be an acknowledgement. You know, because you're asserting yourself and 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 you're ultimately saying what you did was wrong. So, it, it, useful is a loaded term. There, I'm not fully sure whether or not you'll get what you want out of the apology itself. But at just the very call least, calling a
0: dick and move on with your life.
2: Well, no, because I mean, just calling someone a dick could have so many different consequences. But demanding an apology. And and whether you receive it or not, it, the ball is in their court. You've said to them, you've done something wrong. You owe me a fucking apology. That's very different from saying you're a dick.
0: Yeah, I've never I know told anyone they I know. owe me an apology. <laughs>
2: <laughs> anyway, I have books. What um, a fucking
1: surprise. It's not you a surprise. You certainly owe me an apology. What did
2: you guys fucking read last time? Uh, the Bibu.
1: We also read Confucius. The Holly Bibu. Oh, yeah. That was pretty funny. That was weird.
2: Um, Who read?
1: I did. Mr. Bonnier.
2: Oh, that's cool then. Wait, why? Would it not be cool if you read? No, Sean can read. Then what, what was the question it was for? It? fucking other guy.
1: Oh, Gee, wow. Damn. If
2: he read, I would have been pissed. Wow. Damn. Rivalry. It's not a rivalry. It's my it's, show. It's just pure hatred. <laughs> it's not, it's, <laughs> it's, it, is, it is at the very least one third my show. That's still uh, uh, okay. I'm kidding. Derek's Oof. Derek's actually cool. I like Derek.
0: Uh, I like actually, the qualifier. Yeah. <laughs>
2: yeah. What the fuck? Yeah. What's the matter? Wait, I can't say actually? No, we're just like, trying. Like, I'm yeah. surprised. Exactly. We're trying
1: to sow some internal strife. Indeed. All you
2: guys ever do is try to create a rivalry between myself and somebody else. Yeah. All funny. Yeah. Why, why, why wouldn't we? Why is that funny? Because you're funny. Yeah, because you're a fucking snowflake. When I get angry, when yeah, I get, exactly. oh, you and your snowflake fucking bullshit. I'm so pissed <laughs> that that goddamn term got bogarted. I'm content, <laughs> by the way, with just continuing to call my snowflakes snowflakes. I'm going to call them prepared. cucks. <laughs> you little <laughs> cocksucker! You shouldn't How say cocksucker by the way. You. Thank you very much. Yeah. Well,
1: well done. Love Why that. shouldn't you say it? It calling someone a cocksucker? Yeah, I don't understand.
2: It 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 presupposes that it's a bad thing.
1: Yeah, there's nothing wrong with sucking a cock. Yeah. I mean, you know,
0: most people either suck cock or like getting their cock sucked.
1: Yeah, I would say that's pretty much like everyone. Or I, I that shouldn't was, say presuppose. Uh, that it implies that was always sunny, which is bad. That was always
2: sunny. It was. You're caught up. Yeah. Anyway. Wow. <laughs> you <you've> really binged. <laughs> I have books. Um, I have with me The Complete Works of Lewis Carroll. I have Roughing It by Mark Twain. I have Mark Twain's Best. I have Americana by Don DeLillo. I have Slow Learner by Thomas. Yeah. Don DeMello? Don DeLillo. Is I said comedy? The Leo before. Oh. Not the stand-up from the 80s? No. Okay. I also have Slow Learner by Thomas Pynchon. And I have um, brief interviews uh, with hideous men by David Foster Wallace, and I also have the broom of the system by David Foster Wallace, and I have anti-intellectualism in American life by this guy, I don't know, Richard something. Hoffs. I just bought this dad. twenty minutes ago. I have uh, really, and you're by that Virginia far Wolf. into it already?
0: That bookmark's pretty far.
2: Oh no! I just oh, I also that's a, a random place. Yeah. Okay. I have "Flush" by Virginia Woolf, which is really cute, actually. <laughs> like "Flush." I have. Is that, have, that
0: about uh, the uh, Coriolis effect and toilets on both sides of the I elevator? have
2: "Ulysses" by I mean. James Joyce because I brought it with me. Um, I also have uh, "The Great Gatsby" by F. Scott Fitzgerald. And F. Scott Fitzgerald. And I have "1984" uh, by George Orwell.
0: Or as well, then as well. Oh,
1: I wanted to say also in our Tinkering podcast because we were talking about the Amazon ratings. This is Um, gonna be
2: two weeks. By the way, just so you know, this is two weeks after.
1: Yeah, who cares? It's fine. I know. So so we were talking about how 1984 skyrocketed to the top. 1984 is now number eight, still really
2: high. Mm. Brave New World.
1: (laughs) What? Is that number one now,
2: or were you just guessing? It should be number one. No, it's, it's way more it. appropriate. It
1: is appropriate, but guess what is number one? It's H.R. McMaster's book, Dereliction of Duty. Mm. Crazy.
2: Cool. Soon it will be dangerous. What will be? Number one. Is he a McDonald's virtuoso? <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> I can't it's tell. Take uh, three. <laughs> okay.
1: Yeah. If at first you don't succeed,
0: try, try again. I think
1: you've crossed the border to now funny.
2: <laughs> yeah. I think he's got to stay on three more shows <laughs> yeah. in order for it to be funny. I, I, I will. I will read anything else. Would Would you guys like me to read something? You want to continue with 1984? I'm do you curious
1: want about up? your anti-intellectualism. Uh, okay, Joey. I am curious about your anti intellectualism Okay,
2: me too, actually. Um, I I was at the Iliad Bookstore. Plug. Jesus. <laughs> Not a sponsor of the show. They should be. Um, should talk to them. I uh, should actually. Okay. <laughs> Okay, sure. I will. Right. Um anyway, the <laughs> um I was in the I was browsing the philosophy section like you do and <laughs> like you do. <laughs> um and I I came across this book called Anti-Intellectualism in American Life by Richard Hofstadter. And the 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 cover of it itself has a an you know, a oddly flag-shaped American um Look to it, I guess. So it's got huh? like anti hyphen, and then it's so a flag shaped long, like an American. It, so so it's got anti in blue, and then a hyphen, then three long red lines, then Anti-M, intellectualism anti-M. all in blue, then in in blue, and then three long red lines again. And They're American. called so stripes. It continues, sorry, stripes. You're right. That's uh, The word bars. And stars. Sorry. The 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 idea is it it, it, looks, no stars, it looks vaguely like a flag but but kind of, you know, disjointed. The bars and stars was the Confederate flag. Um so uh, the 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 question was, you know what's uh, what the uh, fuck are you guys doing? Uh, what's uh, happening? Charades. Yep. Oh, okay. Uh, private time? My question was when did you guys think this was written? When mm-hmm. I first arrived.
1: 1964.
2: That's <laughs> a terrible guess.
0: It's a terrible guess. I said late 70s, early 80s. That's a Just better guess. based on the artwork. On That's a the better
2: guess. My guess was kind of more contemporary. Like I was thinking the, the whole idea of anti-intellectualism – 60- as far as I could remember, rose around the you know the eighties, nineties, and that was that was when it, well not even ninety. I mean, I would say even like early two thousands when when you said it, Joey, in, in our very first, your very first. Are you sure of that's not caring, just when
0: you became woke?
2: It could be. Don't ever use that again. And continue. <laughs> it could be, but anti-intellectualism, as far as I was aware, was much more recent. Like um, you know, just the idea of of college being something to be derided rather than cherished you know et cetera. Et cetera. You, you know the idea well you know history um, pretty
1: well you don't think that's ever happened in history where the intellectuals have been it's called the dark ages
2: i guess that yes as far as american history to be honest with you no, embarrassingly no well, I, I, only got I sort of always years thought of it, like. well sure and that's i guess kind of my point i assumed like the age of enlightenment kind of quashed all that and and when's and, the age of enlightenment Fucking seventeenth century. So, uh <laughs> and, yeah, anything like, yeah. pre-Aquarius. Yeah, I, mean, I actually think it's sixteenth century. Um 16th? The, the Renaissance. It, no, not that's not the Enlightenment.
1: The Enlightenment's a little bit after. But you're right. You're right. Nineteenth you century. You, Enlightenment's right. more nineteenth. century. It's like seventeen hundreds. I think yeah. it,
2: you're exactly right. Yeah, or I guess I was right. Um, <laughs> up, up, <laughs> I
0: love up it. Up to the Industrial yeah. Revolution, or including the Industrial Revolution? Uh, uh, as including, I mean, I was, uh, we're uh, still sort of in it. Oh, I always figured, and I always thought of enlightenment as before I mean, Well
1: industrial. There was, then I there was think, the
2: Renaissance, and then there was yeah. industrial, etc. Like, wait, wait, it, it turned it down,
1: into the this, this scientific revolution. When was Renaissance? Okay,
2: there were, were before. Somewhere. Sorry, oops, go ahead. Sorry,
1: Renaissance was like fourteen hundreds, thirteen hundreds. Okay, that kind of thing.
2: Renaissance uh, is French for birth, and rebirth,
1: rebirth, new shit.
2: <laughs> Sean, give me this look. It's like I fucking Yeah <laughs>
0: Um, Goddamn Frenchies. I, anyway, I go,
2: think no,
1: anti-intellectualism is really interesting because it's it's always it's obviously reactionary just simply by the definition of it, right? Sure. And I just think it's so amazing the times that we kind of go through this pendulum cycle of, uh, you know, lauding the intellectual intelligentsia class and then going against them and saying they're elitist and, and they're trying to ruin humanity and then we go back and saying so it is kind of swinging back and forth. I think throughout history.
2: What was the actual year? Uh, Well, as far as I know, it was the winner of the 1964 Pulitzer Prize – for non in nonfiction.
1: fiction,
0: gotcha. So, I mean, to me, when if we're talking about '64 and anti intellectualism, that feels like that sort of um baby boomer uh coming home from the war, getting woke. And, well, no, no, not not getting woke. The the uh, the sort of opposite, the idea of like um, you know, those kind of old school movies where the girl would bring the date home and the dad would like say, Look, let me look at your hands, and if your huh? hands if your hands were not like beaten up that you were, you know, an actual uh, worker, you were de- deemed as, you know, this sort of uh the uh, intellectual class. Yeah, yeah. Or. Exactly. So like they, that that w- I think that was an aspect of that like 50s
1: anti-intellectualism. Correct. That's
2: exactly when it was. 50s anti-intellectualism. Yeah, yeah. I don't disagree. As far uh, as I know.
1: I think it was it came out of World War 2 definitely part of it and that we
2: wanted that to that a man works with his hands. Like I perused some of it while I was in the bookstore. Um and I, it's one of the few books, that actually, that I, that I think I'll probably read, you know, kind of more or less now. Um, I, I have way too much fucking shit to read currently, so we'll see. But And you've given up some podcasts. They <laughs> just keep writing new books, man. God, <laughs> I know. Books well, don't no, stop. The books don't stop. The it's, mail never stops. It's more the writing is what screws me. But um, you writing? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's really screwing up your no. career real badly to, to write. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, I, I my my point is I have to read stuff that's like you know pertinent or watch stuff that's pertinent. I can't just read or you watch you have to anything. fill
0: the vessel in order to expel
1: right.
2: But this I mean this is this was kind of interesting. I'm like this is kind of fascinating to see the the idea of it. Did so we, you what did you read? Did you kind of just start at the beginning? The um, where did you like pick yes, up? Yes, more or less. I I I, I well I I, I kind of quickly glanced through the chapters, so I guess I can break. Can that you down. give us the this uh, content actually, sure.
0: before you do that? Can you give us the the back cover?
2: Uh, sure. Yeah. Uh, Anti-Intellectualism in American Life by Richard Hofstadter uh, was awarded the 1964 Pulitzer Prize in nonfiction. It is a book which throws light on many features of the American character. Its concern is not merely to portray the scorners of intellect in American life, but to say something about what the intellectual is and can be as a force in a democratic society. Quote, as Mr. Hofstadter Unfolds the fascinating story, it is no crude battle of eggheads and fatheads. It is a rich, complex, shifting picture of the life, the mind, and the society dominated by the ideal of practical success. End quote. By Robert Peel in the Christian Science Monitor. United States, $17.95.
0: I really like that uh, eggheads versus fatheads.
2: Yeah. Yeah, me too. A it is no crude battle of eggheads and fatheads. <laughs> Alright. Um, Chapters? To EAH 1888 to 1962 Probably his mom or dad. Hofstadter, I'd imagine. EAH. Mm-hmm. Edith. Um, <clears throat> Edith Ann? Yeah. Edith Ann Hofstadter. R.I.P. Prefatory note. Uh, what is, Edith Head. What is ordinarily done in the prefaces? Pretty good. So the first, the the prefatory note starts with, "What is ordinarily done in prefaces?" I have tried to do in my first two chapters. So we're gonna move on. <laughs> I don't. No, no. So good. Yeah. You are correct, sir. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> it goes on for like a page.
0: Wow. Um, really would have been better if you stopped there.
2: Oh, I'm. I am. Him? Yeah. I oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. <A> fiend. <laughs> he's a philosopher. You Preface, know how you can't stupid. do that. Go to chapter one. <laughs> <laughs> um, so the con- the contents: uh, part one, introduction, blah blah blah, anti. Okay, so yeah, part one, introduction. Chapter one is anti-intellectualism in our time, which let me reiterate is nineteen sixty four. Uh, two is on the unpopularity of intellect. Then we move to part two, the religion of the heart. And that breaks down to the evangelical spirit, evangelicalism, and the uh, revivalists, revolt, and, revolt against modernity. Those are three chapters, respectively. Part three, the politics of democracy. Six is uh, Chapter six, the decline of gentlemen, the decline of the gentleman, hmm. Seven is the fate of the reformer. Eight is the rise of the expert. Then we have part four, the practical culture. Chapter nine, business and intellect. Chapter 10, self-help and spiritual technology. Chapter 11, variations on a theme. Finally, or then part five, education and democracy. Twelve is the school and the teacher. Thirteen is the road to life adjustment. Fourteen is the child and the world. Part six is conclusion. Uh, Chapter 15 will be the intellectual, alienation and conformity. And then finally, acknowledgements. Well, one
0: and two are the intro, so let's start there. Yeah, it sounds
2: good. I'm down with that. Anything else pique your interest as far as the...
0: Honestly, I kind of zoned out there. Yeah, me too. No, I don't. Anyway, I should have stopped. So, the listeners? Yeah, that's, you know, <laughs> I'm here to represent them.
2: Uh, chapter one Anti intellectualism. My
0: illiterati.
2: It, that's really good, you little fucker. That's eh. cute. That's cute. Top 10? God damn it. It's not even top 10. Like, that's just what we're going to call our listeners of literally literary the illiterati. The illiterati. That should it be illiterati or literati?
0: Mine are the illiterati. Yours are the literati. No, it have to be. <laughs> I mean, if we're going to split hairs here, we're not. <laughs> mm, poor little bunny rabbit.
2: <laughs> I need a drinky. <laughs>
1: Ooh, we could have like T-shirts that say like "Get Lit." It's mm. mm. pretty cool.
2: There it is. There it is. That's good. Scotch. Okay. (laughs) Sketchy, sketchy. Scotch. Anti-intellectualism in our time. Although this book deals mainly with certain aspects of the remoter American past, it was conceived in response to the political and intellectual conditions of the 1950s. During that decade, the term anti intellectualism, only rarely heard before, became a familiar part of our national vocabulary of self recrimination and. I'm sorry, I already zoned out. When did you say? Uh, 1950s. Okay. Yeah. A familiar part of our national vocabulary of self recrimination and intramural abuse. In the past, American intellectuals were often discouraged or embittered by the national disrespect for mind. Hmm. But it is hard to recall a time when large numbers of people outside the intellectual community shared the concern. Or when self criticism we've
0: always been at war with East Asia.
2: Or when self criticism on this count took on the character of a national of a nationwide movement. Primarily it was McCarthyism, which aroused the fear of the critical mind, was at a ruinous discount of the sorry. Uh, Which aroused the fear that the the critical mind was at a ruinous discount in this country. Of course, intellectuals were not the only targets of McCarthy's contrast destinations. He was after Bigger Game. But intellectuals were in the line of fire, and it seemed to give special rejoicing to his followers when they were hit. His sorties against intellectuals and universities were emulated throughout the country by a host of less-exalted inquisitors. Then, in the atmosphere of fervent malice and humorless imbecility stirred up by McCarthy's barrage of accusations, the campaign of 1952 dramatized the contrast between intellect and, um...
0: I guess I shouldn't be surprised by the high douchebag factor of a book about anti-intellectualism.
2: Dude, this fucking douchebag factor is off the charts. Between intellect and Philistinism in the opposing candidates. I like that. As in Philistines. fuck. No, oh, that's cool. No, oh. yeah, yeah. On, <laughs> side, on one side was Adlai Stevenson. Joey? Hey, I know that name. Yeah, Adlai Stevenson. Not Adlai. Adlai. <laughs> oh, Who is sorry.
1: That? Adlai
2: Stevenson. Uh, I believe he was the... I recognize the he name. He ran for but... president.
1: I think he was vice, he vice president, president for yeah.
2: Eisenhower. He was a politician of common... of. Uncommon mind and style whose appeal to intellectuals overshadowed anything in recent history. On the other was Dwight D. Eisenhower, conventional in mind, relatively inarticulate, harnessed to the unpalatable Nixon and waging a campaign whose tones seemed to be set less by the general himself than by his running mate and the the McCarthyite wing of his party. Eisenhower's decisive victory was taken both by the intellectuals themselves and by their critics as a measure of their repudi- repudiation by America. Time, the weekly magazine of opinion, shook its head in unconvincing intimidation of con- imitation of concern. Eisenhower's victory, it said, quote, Discloses an alarming fact long suspected. There is a wi- I don't know why this is Time's voice. <laughs> there is a wide and unhealthy gap between the American intellectuals and the people, end quote. Arthur Schlesinger Jr., in a mordant protest written soon after the election, found the intellectual quote "in a situation he has not known uh, in a situation he has not known for a generation end quote. after 20 years of democratic rule, during which the intellectual had been uh, sorry <clears throat> uh, after 20 years of democratic rule, during which the intellectual had been in the main, Understood and respected, business had come back to power, bringing with it, quote, the vulgarization, which has been almost invariable consequence – in it, yeah, invariable consequence of business supremacy, end quote. Now the intellectual, dismissed as a, quote, egghead, an oddity, would be governed by a party – which had little use for understanding of him and would be made the scapegoat for everything from the income tax to the attack on Pearl Harbor. Quote, anti-intellectualism, end quote, uh, remark, whatever, fucking. Can I give a quick correction?
1: (laughs) Yeah, what do you got? Uh, Adlai Stevenson was a Democrat who was defeated in a landslide by Eisenhower in '52. And in 56, he was, he, he was, he was lost the presidential
0: game. nominee? Yeah, mm-hmm. for the Democrats, and he lost. Yeah, that's what it seems to say. Although his,
1: his grandfather was very famous, too. Was the vice president for oh. uh, Grover Cleveland. So, okay. Oh, that I didn't know. So, Who, yeah.
0: What was his grandfather's name? Same. Mike Ed, Stevenson.
1: Adley Stevenson the first. Oh, okay, that's right. And then why the guy know we that know that is Adley Stevenson the second.
0: Or the guy we're talking about, at least.
2: Yes. Right on. Yes, exactly. Anti-intellectualism, Schlesinger remarked, has long been the anti-Semitism of the businessman. The intellectual is on the run today in american society. All this seemed to be all this seemed to be simply justified. God damn it. All this seemed to be amply justified when the new administration got underway. The replacement, in Stevenson's phrase, of the new dealers by the car dealers seemed to make the final seemed to make final the repudiation of intellectuals and their values. They had already been overshadowed by the courthouse politicians of the Truman years. The country was now treated to Charles E. Wilson's sallies at Pure Research, to stories about Eisenhower's fondness for Western fiction as reading matter, and to his definition of an intellectual as as a wordy and pretentious man. But during the Eisenhower administration, the national mood reached a turning point. The McCarthyite rage, confronted by a Republican president, burned itself out. The senator from Wisconsin, from Wisconsin isolated himself, was censured, and deflated. Finally, in 1957, the launching of Sputnik by the Soviets precipitated one of the most periodic sur- surges of the self-conscious national reappraisal to which American public is prone. The Sputnik was more than a shock. Was more than a shock to the American. You refer to vanity. it as the Sputnik. Yeah. Weird. The Sputnik was more than a shock to American national vanity. It brought an immense amount of attention to bear on the consequences of anti-intellectualism in the school system and in American life at large. Suddenly, the national distaste for intellect appeared to be not just a disgrace but a hazard to survival. After assuming for some years that its main concern was teacher, with teachers was to examine them for disloyalty, the nation now began to worry about their low salaries. Scientists who had been saying for years that the growing obsession with Fuck security yeah, teacher,
0: was, a lot more.
2: was demoralizing to research suddenly found receptive listeners. Cries of protest against the slackness of American education, hitherto raised only by a small number of educational critics, were now taken up by television, mass magazines, businessmen, scientists, politicians, admirals, and university presidents, and soon swelled into a national chorus of self-reproach. Of course, all this did not immediately cause the vigilante mind to disappear. Not – vigilant mind to disappear. Yeah, vigilant – sorry, whatever. Vigilant – it's with well, an E at the end, vigilante mind to disappear, nor to disperse anti-intellectualism as a force of American life. Even in the sphere most immediately affected that of education, the ruling passion of the public seemed to be for, for producing more Sputniks, not for developing more intellect. And some of the new rhetoric about education almost suggested that gifted children were to be regarded as resources in the Cold War. But the atmosphere did change, notably. In 1952, only intellectuals seemed to, seemed much disturbed by the specter of anti-intellectualism. By 1958, the idea that this might be an important and even a dangerous national failing was persuasive to most thinking people. Today, it is impossible to look at the political culture of the 1950s with some detachment. If there was then a tendency to see in the McCarthyism and even in the Eisenhower administration some apocalypse for intellectuals in public life, it is no longer possible now that Washington has again become so hospitable to Harvard professors and Mm ex-Rhodes scholars. If there was a suspicion that intellect had become a a hopeless— Scholar? A Rhodes Scholar is is somebody—the Rhodes, I think, is a committee. R-H-O-D-E-S. Damn. Yeah.
1: It, um, you, you get a special scholarship and you get to go to England and study at Oxford. Yeah, it's like an it's really? a Really? You yeah. also you have to be mil- you have to be um, also an athlete. That I didn't know. Are you yeah. sure about that? What yeah. was Clinton's sport? Shit, I forget. I think it was like Golf. something stupid. <laughs> it was like track or something. I'll find out. Tennis. Uh, and no, for, guys, let's just
2: hit the ball. We'll be all right.
0: <laughs> for some reason, I always thought Rhodes Scholar... Um, R-O-D-E-S? Well, no, I thought it was like school of hard knocks or, scholar. Oh, like, you learned your shit out in the road. R O A D S, yeah. That was the streets.
2: Streets.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Degree to streets.
2: Um, if there was a suspicion that intellect had become a hopeless obstacle to success in politics or administration.
0: Wait, it is Rhodes Scholar, not Rogue, right?
2: Rhodes. R-H-O-D-E-S. Oh,
0: okay. Like a dude's name.
2: Yes. Yeah. Probably. Or
0: a woman's name. I don't want to be no, sexist. No, a dude's name it's it would it's be not, a last name I was it, it's not
2: sexist it's just
0: women can't have the last name Rhodes
2: they obviously can but they wouldn't have an endowment in the 50s damn I'm not being sexist, sexist. <laughs> <I know>. <laughs> <I'm>, <laughs> if anything I'm being historic yeah <laughs> Uh, it must be surely for the new. Oh, sorry. Uh, if there was become a obstacle, it must be. It must surely have been put to rest by the new president's obvious interest in ideas and respect for intellectuals. His ceremonial gestures to make that respect manifest in affairs of state, his pleasure in the company of. The company and advice of men of intellectual power, and above all, by the long, careful search for distinguished talents with which his administration began. On the other hand, if there had ever been an excessive confidence that the recruitment of such talents would altogether transform the conduct of our affairs, time has surely brought its inevitable detachment, disencha- disenchantment, disenchantment. Sorry. We have now reached a point at which intellectuals can discuss anti-intellectualism without exaggerated partisanship or self-pity. Any questions so far? I like it. You would. <sighs> I can keep going. I'm going to keep going. Is there something you want me to like jump to or you just keep going? I just
1: think it's so interesting that at the time of him writing this, it's also, I think, I, I'm trying to find out. Can you out,
2: talk a little bit about that? Yeah. Tell me about I'm that. I'm
1: trying to find out whether it was right before November or not because I want to see if um, if Kennedy was assassinated in 60, 63. So, um, November of 63. So I think it's really interesting then it's like, you know, there's kind of this pessimistic attitude after that. And it's also right before we landed on the moon, he's talking about Sputnik. So I think that's also an interesting period there where they're talking about, it's so weird to me where they're saying intellectualism has nothing to do with like a Sputnik, which seems to me so strange because I equate intellectualism with right. Na- I was NASA the same thing too. Right, science.
0: But and... that's not why we did it. I know. We, it's interesting. We, I, don't, I don't think we about it like that. We sit our nerds on them. We, you know, it was more of For a our the
2: intellectuals. Yeah, our Germans. They weren't ours. Our hidden figures. <laughs> <laughs> that's very good. Have you seen that? Actually, I have not. Is we, it good? We probably should have talked about the Oscars last episode. By the way, of Paul anchoring.
1: They okay. haven't It's yet. tomorrow. No, it's not. It's the next day. Or the next day.
0: The the o- the only re- well.
1: <laughs> it's I don't I mean, I, we shouldn't give away what time it is.
0: When I lived closer, I hated the Oscars because it would just destroy traffic for fucking yeah days. Yeah.
2: That's it. Does it's I'm, gonna take you, right you like there. an hour to it's get home? It's gonna take me yeah. a long time to get home.
0: Yeah.
2: Tonight? Yeah. Oh, yeah,
0: because they shut down all of Hollywood
2: Boulevard. It, it actually moves a lot faster than you think. It's not they don't shut it down. I mean, it's what, the Hollywood they shut, shutdown, they shut down. They shut out Highland too. no, Highland, no Highland's that. wide okay. open. No Hollywood Boulevard. Yeah, yeah, you just it actually is easier because nobody can fucking turn on the Hollywood, so they that's just go. True. Oh, mm-hmm. they're yeah. like, oh, "I'm fucked," I guess. Yeah, <laughs> <And> <laughs> that's what the tourists sound like. Yeah. <laughs> mm, that is, yeah. Um, it so this was this was published in 1962.
0: And 1963,
2: it says as well. So yeah, this is
0: yeah. So pre,
2: it's all pre. Um, so yeah, I guess it would have been pre. Well, see, that's what's tough. It says so. It says copyright. To me,
1: that's such a seminal moment. Is JFK assassination? So yeah, it was obviously written
2: before. before This says
1: published in 63, but I I don't know. Maybe you're you're seeing a little bit
2: different. Uh, well, on the cover page it says copyright 62 and 63. Which mm. is confusing to me, but okay. I would just imagine a second, a, separate, a second publishing. So maybe there was like an addendum. I just think that because it was such a period addendum. of that period addendum. of nineteen, you know, fifty nine. The election addendum. of nineteen sixty
1: was, you know, Nixon versus Kennedy. It was, it was exactly this. And then mm-hmm. Kennedy won, so it was obviously this outpouring of optimism. And then he was assassinated, so it was that roller coaster of pessimism. And you know, we can talk right about the deep state controlling that assassination, maybe. So there's that whole idea of anti intellectualism or and, and a loss of faith in your and everyone who was in control of the government.
2: Is there anything appropriate as far as the do you want to just keep going or do you mean to find like a little chapter to to jump into real quick?
0: Uh, yeah, I think that last chapter actually sound I can't remember. I think it w- uh, the conclusion was, part? No, I think there was one t- that was like literally titled The Anti-Intellectualist.
2: The fuck did it fucking go? The fucking chapter section. Pages. Probably
1: in the front. Did you try looking I'm there? in the front. Jesus. Sean, fuck. But I also find it interesting that it won the Pulitzer the next year. Yeah. I'll stick my Pulitzer on it. Right? Because that means that not only is it <laughs> very... Like it's kind of controversial in its time, but it was it was lauded in its time. That's kind of... I don't know. The doesn't. decline
2: of the gentleman looked like an interesting chapter for me. There we go. Yeah. That looked like fun. Some
0: anti-feminism.
2: Chivalry's dead. Yeah, I want to. I want to see what that's about. I remember when I looked through. Oh, it gave me the page number. I just yeah. That's usually how those All fucking right, things Sean work, Fa, man. You need to relax.
0: Have you never used a book before?
2: You're Jesus gonna have to fuck. relax. You're just gonna have to take it easy. Page one forty-five.
0: Joey's allowed to rant, and I'm not.
2: This bullshit. You're allowed. I didn't say you weren't <laughs> allowed. I just said you had to relax. That's not how I do things. And no, That's why it's the best. It's my favorite. Chapter four, which is in part three, so part three, part one, (laughs) chapter four, Uh, page one forty-five. The decline. The (laughs) decline. That's really good. Did you see? By the way, they're doing a. They're finally like releasing a a um, Blu-ray version of
0: the original. Yeah. The 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 theatrical. Yes. Nice. I'm
2: psyched. What is so special about that? I don't think I've seen it. Oh, man, I'll 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 lend you mine. There they had the the DVDs, the original, the laser disc yeah. transfer, essentially. What's so the special about that? It's, it's the original theatrical version of yeah. Star Wars: Empire Strikes A- Back. Every time, and, and time
1: that it was Jedi.
0: released after that, George Lucas changed something. something. Oh, so, I don't,
1: okay. I think I've seen the original. I mean, original. Most, original. most based
0: on your I age, so? most likely not. Yeah, yeah,
1: it's it's possible. I mean. What's what's the differences? Are they just like Greedo sli- like shot first kind of thing? No, I know that. Was, like, the but but the, but the big thing are just like little pepperings years.
2: of like bullshit in the background. So like when when they're first like rolling in a Tatooine, there's like, like dinosaurs right. walking around yeah. and shit okay. like that. And that stuff just isn't there. You can actually see the kind of like filament underneath the 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 transporter yeah. as they're driving around because they had to like scrub out the the wheels and shit like that.
0: So uh, previous to this, the closest they had was the D Specialized Edition, which was basically a hacker version. No, of-
2: no, there, there is. So there was the disc mm-hmm. and then there was one very limited. Um, DVD no, I, I don't release. think the
0: laser disc was theatrical. Yes, it was. Are you sure? One hundred percent. I was under the impression that the it did not exist from the. It theatrical. does. It one
2: hundred percent exists. The uh, laser disc version was the theatrical transfer of it. Nerd alert, alert! Chapter four: The Decline of the Gentleman Sean Fah. Agreed. <laughs> why? What? Why did we need that's more? That's his. That's his catchphrase. Why not did we need I'm more? Not a, I'm not being a gentleman. Why do we need more? <laughs>
1: I do we what I will really, won. really didn't.
2: You're right. <laughs> All right. Don't need this show. Wait. <laughs> <laughs> Just end it there. Just end it there. That's good. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for listening to another
1: episode of Literary. Literary.